You're listening to the Silken Community Podcast. Your favorite source for gaming, film, and internet debate starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Soken Podcast. I'm your host, T, and with me are Jace and Leo. That's Jace Drayson. And hello, I'm Leo. That's Leo. <laughs> Over the last week, BioWare has been analyzing what went wrong with Anthem. Um, they might be there a while. Rockstar has put out GTA 5 for free on PC. Ubisoft has disappointed fans with more news about Valhalla and Steam and Switch sales have skyrocketed. It's safe to say that the gaming industry may have some interesting things going on soon, but we also have very little information about any new games that might be coming forward. So what have you guys been playing to hold you over during the quarantine? What's uh, what's kept you sane? Um, honestly, the guild has kept me kind of busy. Um, I have been kind of binging some programs. I haven't been doing a whole lot of gaming. I have attempted some games here and there um nothing is really stuck stuck but you know there's plenty to stay busy with i have not found myself necessarily bored at any time i have been gaming my butt off i have found like even working from home i'm i'm sitting with a work computer with emails and stuff up and something comes up i get to work on it but when i'm not typing an email i have a game up and i'm and i'm playing it it i have gone through more games in the last two months than probably the last year it's been nuts so many games and i'm uh i'm 40 hours into this next dragon age playthrough yay next Origins. dragon age playthrough which one inquisition oh i love inquisition leo doesn't love it imagine that but i really liked inquisition a lot dorian is my <laughs> He is amazing. However, I'm playing as a female character, so sadly I can't uh, can't romance him this time. I couldn't get into it. I tried. I tried twice. Just couldn't. A couple of the characters I did not care for at all, but most of them I thought were just delightful. It may not be entirely topical, but hey, maybe we'll do a throwback uh, episode. Sil says he likes Edgy Hat Boy, also known as I Cole. think you mean Cole. I love Cole too, and you can. I love the endings you can have for Cole. Edgy hat boy. <laughs> All of his like little uh, his little sayings. When you go up in the attic and talk with him, he's t he does like mystery phrases, and most of them are like memes for movies. You have to figure out what movie he's actually talking about. It's pretty cool. All right. Well, Dragon Age aside, this week we'll be discussing the seeming end of the early access craze in gaming, the debacle between AMC and Universal, and we'll be playing a little game like the Jackbox classic, Fibbage. Over the 2010s, games like Minecraft and Terraria became some of the biggest names in the industry and sparked a sweep of early access games, primarily on the PC market. We've talked about the idea of releasing unfinished games before, but over the last couple of years, the fad does seem to be fading. Or at least the fad of releasing a game and openly telling people that it's unfinished. Why do you guys think games like these got popular in the first place, given gamers were used to games that were complete and ready to go by the time they came out? I think, um, I honestly think it's a byproduct of a, of a program like Steam, um, where players have access to games that are still actively in development. Um, it, it isn't something that 
um, happens on on consoles. Um, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get my PC elitist hat on here. Um, but no, I I think um, it it really just is because Steam allowed that kind of stuff people got a chance to see games as they were still in production and offer support to developers who um, they thought were churning out a really good product um, these were also not huge developer companies or development companies that were putting these out and so i think a lot of um, a lot of gamers felt um, it was beneficial to try and support these small teams while they were working on projects that that they liked I think too, well, first of all, a lot of these pre-release or early access games are lower in cost. And if you pay the low cost while it's in development, you get to have the game, the complete version when it hits 1.0. <clears throat> and that's kind of a motivator, I think, for people to steer themselves that way. In the last, I don't know, decade-ish, there has been the whole Kickstarter movement where people kind of buy into an idea rather than an actual product in hopes that that product comes to be. You know, sometimes that leads to a vaporware situation. Sometimes it leads to an eternal development. Um, Star Citizen, I'm looking at you. Um, but sometimes it, you know, evolves into a fully realized fun game. I I took advantage of the ARC pre-release slash early access purchase and ARC has you know become a franchise pretty much in and of itself so sometimes that small investment pays off um that there's also a kind of feeling of being on the cutting edge of something the the front line of a game wanting to be the first one to get the review out so i think that's somewhat appealing um and <laughs> to to be a little bit cynical a lot of the games that we were paying full dollar for really weren't coming out complete anyway so you know it's not like there just like you said there is a certain honesty about saying this game is not complete check it out if you like it we're gonna keep working on it give me some money kind of like uh tease dig there at the end of like yeah games that are still in the development or they just say they are <laughs> yeah so leo you and some of the members in soken have recently taken to an early access game called scrap mechanic for those that aren't aware what's the game about Ooh. So I, I'm trying to get Jace into it too. Um, he seemed less than impressed. <laughs> when he tried I tried it. it. I tried it. Um, so it's it's kind of a I don't know at, at, at a surface level. Um, it, it's your standard survival fare. Um, you're uh, having to grow crops and keep yourself fed and hydrated and protected from the enemies. So you build a base and you know whatnot. The the thing that I find really engaging about scrap mechanic the thing that kind of sets it apart i've played arc and seven days to die and i love those kinds of build survival games um the thing about this though is that you literally uh develop everything like block by block and there are gasoline engines and there are um logic boxes where you can set up automated systems like it's a game that's kind of like easy to get introduced to and really difficult to master and really the potential of the stuff you can build is infinite i mean it, it's an amazing concept it it's really fun to see plus it's just, it's, it's kind of cute it's not the dark and dreary um which i, I have a hard time handling right now it's just kind of cartoony which which is nice 
does have happy little characters that you can dress up however you like. Part of my issues were technical. I did have some technical problems getting the game to go. Then once I was in the game, I had a hard time getting some things to render. And it was kind of juggly, jiggly, like uh, some rubber banding happened. And I don't know, I'm not usually too put off by that, but <laughs> it wasn't my game. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, it is still early access, so I'm giving it I'm giving it a pass there for like server stability issues. The truth is um, the developers are facing a very similar predicament that other small development teams are facing in that they put these projects up on Steam and because of the quarantine and because everybody's locked down, their games exploded and they just don't have the capacity to handle all these players. They did not anticipate the kind of attention that they're receiving. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I played a couple of games like that where servers just crashed. There was, um, oh, Last Oasis, another like kind of uh, builder MMO. Um, they ended up having to shut their servers down for a week after they released, um, even though it's still in development. Um, and they were offering refunds to people like, I don't know, it was, it's just been a weird time. For, for developers, especially small development teams. So I'm, I'm willing to give them a little bit of a break for that. Another victim of the Rona. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention Corona beer. Good gravy. Those poor guys. People are dumb. So it's worth mentioning that when Scrap Mechanic came out, it was a very different game and it had a lot less purpose to it. But there was a big update that changed the playstyle from, I guess, that of just a generic crafter into a survival game and introduced that survival aspect. With previously mentioned Minecraft, Terraria, games like Ark, Seven Days to Die, and The Forest, um, that are all sort of part of that genre, some of which are also in early access and frequently updated release styles, why do you think it's almost always survival games that wind up with that method of release? I think it's the non-linear aspect of the game. Like, um, we we talked um, last week about um, The Last of Us 2. Like, that is a very different kind of game. It's a very story-driven, linear game. So, if you put out part of that content, you're, you know, you're not getting the story. With these kinds of games, it, it really is a sandbox. And so... Um, it, it, I think it lends itself to that kind of piecemeal development where you give players a sandbox, they can play in it, and then you throw a couple of other little toys into the sandbox while players are still playing in it. It just lends itself to that, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that there, when you have a game that doesn't rely so much on a complete package to be enjoyed, um, maybe you can just sample it and then adding layers doesn't really necessarily change the base experience but gives you a richer fuller experience then you aren't really altering your your game much um telltale did do that in a way kind of um you know they would release their story chapter by chapter in each of their different they had the batman game of thrones i think there was a werewolf game several story-based games that that um didn't come out all in one schlep they did a they did it in in releases but really if you if you're building a a game around a system rather than building a game around a story i think that it lends itself to early access wolf among us fans we are so sorry 
I never played it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know that. I don't know Wolf Among Us. And I've seen it on there. It's it's one of those Telltale games where you you kind of play through the story almost like a a, a graphic novel experience kind of. Yeah, it was like a modern day take on fairy tales. Worth noting that they also did do some Walking Dead and the Borderlands prequel. I don't remember what its actual name was. Dude, what was that MMO that was a modern take on um, on fairy tales? On like, one faction was the Illuminati, another faction was... The Perfect World. Oh no, it was put out by Perfect World. It was called... Uh... I can't remember the name of it. Okay, it, it doesn't matter. We're 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 off the rails. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Sam. That is an interesting topic though, just like I'd, early yeah. access MMOs. Do you think that would work? Um, well, uh the game I mentioned, Last Oasis, is it, it touts itself as an MMO and it's early access, so um and they were one of the developers that had to shut down their own servers because they were just inundated with too many players. So I don't know. I I think it kind of works, at least in their case. I think it could, for sure. An MMO fits that, like, non-linear um, story kind of game. So it's it's very similar to a sandbox in that way, in my opinion. What is a subscription to a game but <laughs> taking part in an early access? Well, uh, so few MMOs go by subscriptions anymore. Although MMO developers, I would pay them if you give me cool stuff. Oh man, no kidding. I think we've all proven that so many times over. Yeah, I, there's got to be more money to be made in the models they're using somehow, some way. But yeah, I'd pay a subscription in a heartbeat. All right. So not too long ago, and it okay, this might have actually come up last season. We're not sure. Uh, Terraria announced that it was actually ending its continuous updates, so the game is officially complete. With Ark, Seven Days to Die, and The Forest still relatively popular, but nowhere close to AAA highlights, do you guys think that this genre of games might be on its way out? I don't see any reason that it would be. It doesn't make any sense that uh, it, if the platform is still there to purchase the things, I feel like people will still make the product. Yeah, I, I don't know. On its way out... Uh... It, that depends on how you interpret that. I do think that they're declining in popularity. Um, just like, you know, battle royales. Like, they come up, they have a heyday, um, and then they start to fade, but they never they never truly die. You know, you just have fewer players who um, enjoy that kind of thing than when it is at its height in popularity. And and I think we have... We have um, crested the hill when it comes to the popularity of games like Ark and Seven Days to Die. Um, both of those games, I've got roughly a thousand hours in each. I have loved them. But yeah, at, at some point, you, you, you want something else. And um, it doesn't mean they'll die, but it certainly means they'll fade. I think part of that is when you perfect a genre, when you perfect a style, and it's hard to beat that pinnacle of that great game and there might be several games that that kind of come out at the peak of that style game you know then where do you go from there and, and then at that point something else has to take its place that's not that because that is about as good as it's going to get and once you have the game the survival games for instance right that that really did it super well anything else is going to just be a clone or a copycat or, or a repeat experience so 
is I believe as long as there's a place to innovate and keep going within that genre, you're good to go. But the peak is really more about hitting the end of innovation. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I do think though that there is something to be said for the trendsetters of any genre, like Minecraft, for instance. Is I mean, it's killing it still, and. Um, a lot of these games, a lot of these builders that have, um, I, I would say, improved on Minecraft's um, original design, they're nowhere near as popular as Minecraft. So perhaps, you know, Minecraft is um, an anomaly, but it's stupid popular. Well it also, past what I would think its expiration date. Minecraft also has picked up a lot of the stuff that other other innovators have put into the genre. So if you, it's Minecraft is not vanilla Minecraft anymore. There's a lot yeah, to do in fair. Minecraft that they ripped off from other people that came after them. And and you know, not not to fault them in any way. If something's good, do it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Minecraft is a very heavy mod community. Also true. Yeah. <laughs> Modders, the real indie developers. Dude, they're the ones who keep games alive way past their expiration dates. Like For Skyrim, good gravy that game um, how old is it and it's still crazy popular largely because of just all the crazy mods where else can you get chased out by a giant singing my little pony i was thinking the thomas the tank engine, <laughs> thomas the tank engine mod. <laughs> you can also ride dragons stop it jace you can i mean as long as we're talking about the same kind of writing i am definitely like i'm interested <laughs> we are it's like i'm the i'm the lore hound in our guild and so i'm i don't know i get i get particular about stuff jace wants to ride a dragon and you know it rule is of it is. cool leo rule yeah. of cool. <laughs> all right well scrap mechanic is uh as well as any other early access titles that we've mentioned are available now on steam is there any recent games like this that you think that we should check out? Tweet us with the hashtag SokinPodcast. Over the course of the last month, as the quarantine started, many distribution companies in the film industry decided to try and release their films online while theaters were still shut down. We mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, with Marvel very actively choosing not to do that. Um, but Universal did its own thing, and they wound up releasing the children's movie Trolls World Tour for digital download. And they made a lot of money doing it, to the point where the company is now reconsidering the idea of theaters being necessary at all. Do you guys think that the theater experience is one that's going to live on in the digital age? Yes, um, very much enthusiastically i scream yes the, the reason i feel like that it was a really successful move is because the country was on a lockdown and so having a first run movie in your home and at that time was novel because of the novel coronavirus so there was a, a there was kind of a cause and effect there that i don't think plays through all of time once we are able to get out and go and do stuff again i don't think anybody in the planet is going to want to stay cooped up and buy a first run movie they they want to they want to go be in a theater and have the full experience that is my belief well beliefs are like buttholes everyone has one and they smell bad 
Um, you need listen in my community (laughs) is not always the truth my people disagree (laughs) anywho (laughs) oh man hold on (laughs) sorry Uh, um i i for one um, i'm not a huge fan of movie theaters in general i'm 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 kind of an antisocial introvert. If I don't have to go anywhere to to watch a movie, I won't. Um, we do as a family. Um, we do tend to use the like going to the theater as as a way out. That that sounds bad. As a as an outing, that sounds better. <laughs> um, but it it like we make it a production. We talked you know a couple episodes ago about like you know we get ices and and. Uh, we get popcorn and you know it's it's a it's a production for us but the truth is um i do think digital distribution of movies is going to spell um the reduction of movie theaters um and and i think in a in a real and tangible way um there will still be some of those movies that you want to see in a theater they're movies that are um like uh jurassic park for instance I saw Jurassic Park in a theater, and that is an experience that you can't replicate with um, a, a home theater system until technology catches up and you do actually have surround sound speakers and you have a giant screen on the wall. Like the 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 theater's days are numbered. I will admit. Uh because i was so young when the prequel movies came out when the sequel star wars movies came out and i went to go see the uh the first one in like i actually got, got to see it in theater and saw the star wars crawl on a big screen for the first time i might have cried yeah there's something about that what experience of star wars for sure that's one of the ones that does it but i saw uh endgame we we talk often on this show about how we loved endgame and how it was just really a good capstone for for that, those those phases of the MCU, it was remarkable to see that in a theater with a crowd of people who were seeing it for the first time and feeling the energy and the emotion in the room. Like you can't. I really like watching the movie at home too, but there's nothing like that first viewing with hundreds of other people that gives you that charge. Sometimes it can literally make the movie better. If it's not that great of a movie, you can really, really like it because everybody in the room is on the ride. And that could be why I really like Star Wars. <laughs> because when I go in with a bunch of Star Wars nerds and that's our first viewing on the first weekend and that crawl happens and we all scream, we're primed for a good time. And I think that experience is what is going to keep theaters around forever. Sadly, you guys have Ryan Johnson to thank for dropping a steaming pile of whatever that was after um that crawl anywho the second time just for the second time <laughs> the first time was fine two out of the three, first time man. was fine yes um i i don't know I, I i i do agree with you i actually saw um old school with uh will ferrell i saw that it's like a a sneak preview uh, or, I don't know what the term is. Like it was an early showing. It was like a Wednesday night before it released, and it was a huge audience of Will Ferrell and like dumb comedy fans, and that was awesome. I agree to enjoy that experience with a whole crowd of people who are like fans of that kind of thing, 
um, there there is something about sharing that with a group of people. Um, there are just so few things that I enjoy sharing with an audience of a hundred plus strangers. <laughs> like it's just it's not. It, I feel it's like not that's going to be on your gonna... tombstone. There were so few <laughs> things I enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Part of this whole controversy is there's is well it's the money it always comes down to the money in some way shape or form um and in protest of the idea of cutting theaters out of the loop entirely or in releasing even the idea that they would release these films simultaneously digitally and in theaters um amc and regal theaters are now barring universal films from their locations Cineworld Group, which is the owner of Regal Entertainment, the other main kind of theater, uh, has stated, We will not be showing movies that fail to respect the windows, as it does not make economic sense for us. Uh, we won't make Jace repeat how companies exist to make money because I've already said it, but we are going to take a deeper dive into the film industry on this subject. So do you guys think that Universal Theaters will still thrive even though two major theaters are no longer showing their films? Or do you think it's like, who comes off worse from this strike? It, it's an interesting um, conversation because this, um, it appears more like a pissing contest than it does anything else. Like these are two, um, well, not two, but it's it's multiple industries that are taking their toys from each other and going home at their own mutual detriment. Now, um, it seems weird to me because Universal said, hey, we had a lot of success with um, Trolls World Tour, uh, like releasing straight to home. And um, that's something we might consider for um, other releases. They never said, we're going to stop sending our stuff to theaters. And of course, those who have a vested interest in movies coming out to theaters um, wanted to try and strong arm. Well, my take is they wanted to try and strong arm Universal to say, um, oh, if you're not going to give us your toys, you're not going to get to play with our toys. And it's become this really strange uh, arm wrestling match. Like, you know, kids, it's in your mutual interest to play nice with each other, this posturing is only going to put you all uh, in a uh, less beneficial position. So, I, you know, I don't know. Honestly, I kind of think whatever they lose in the process is their comeuppance for being children, basically. Yeah, I 100% agree. I'm, I'm relatively disappointed in the entertainment industry at large because of these types of arm wrestles and you see it a lot you know see it with cable companies who are running networks the networks want more money the cable company doesn't want to pay that you see uh spider-man for instance the arm wrestle between disney and sony and who's going to get more money off of this film and that you know guys you're all making a whole lot of money a whole lot of money it really makes the most sense for you guys just to play with each other, play nicely with each other. And I've, in my experience, when I've watched this, they always work it out because they know this. They know that ultimately they need each other. So it, it really is just kind of some saber rattling and some middle fingers that don't amount to a whole lot in the end because 
that they have to make the money and if universal has the movie that's going to be the hot movie right now guess what the theaters are going to show that thing and <laughs> same on the on the flip universal needs a, a way to get their movies out into the communities that only have one of these particular franchises of theater so come on scratch each other's yo i do think if anyone is going to end up on the wrong side of this it's going to be the theaters um i think um to to the point i made um earlier like times are changing technology changes um there was a time when um televisions weren't considered a normal part of every household um now they are the same as computers weren't a normal part of every household etc etc like we're getting to the point where home theater systems are becoming more of a reality for people and the need to go to a theater to get that base to get that um that huge screen to get that um experience like i can microwave popcorn and i can turn my speakers and my base bar up to up to max i can turn on a giant screen i can get a near theater experience eventually i'm not going to need a theater and i think if anybody's going to come out bad in this it's the theaters universal is proving they don't need the theaters as much as the theaters need them so i i think it's going to go bad for amc and regal and this isn't necessarily something that like i've seen confirmed or can say that it came from a solid reputable source this is just something that i've either like i've just seen it kind of around um but part of what i've seen from this is that part of what theaters are protesting is that they're charged so much to show the movie that they are really making a profit as is and so the concern is then like even with the like high prices of concessions and high prices for tickets etc um, if they cut their viewership if any they're concerned those prices are going to have to go up further and it's going to be unsustainable because people will stop wanting to go to theirs and so that's what part of this is is like you're already screwing us over don't screw us over yeah i i mean the truth is the in in a in a responsible market one that is regulated and you know i'm 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 not a proponent of like complete unmitigated capitalism i do think that leads to really bad things but the market does tend to correct itself when it comes to um uh, responsible stewardship of that market um this is an instance where uh the the movie production companies really have all the cards uh they're letting the theaters show their movies and they're charging them exorbitant fees i have no doubt about that um and it's i think a widely known um circumstance that theaters make their money on concessions and other things as opposed to ticket prices even though like a prime time ticket price is redonkulous nowadays um i spend like to take my family to go see a movie we spend like 80 bucks on just one night to see one movie um so yeah i i think that's only going to grow worse though as you know technology gets to the point where movies or theaters become less and less relevant well and as the economy continues to tank people can't afford those types of luxuries <laughs> you know buying it for no, 7.99 yeah. on your tv is a lot different than 
80 bucks to go out. And that sort of uh, situation where the, the distributors hold all the cards is actually something that's happened before. Um, that's where the film industry started. Back in the early 1900s, the distributors owned everything from, um, you know, even some of the theaters were directly owned. There was a monopoly on distribution. Certain actors and actresses couldn't act for different, uh, different film companies. All of the money went through their pockets first and no one else's. So some filmmakers now are worried that without the theater market, distributors will again wind up with a stranglehold on film. So that would mean the decline or outright like eradication basically of indie filmmakers. Thoughts? I mean, my thought is that greed is going to greed. Fat cats are going to get fat. That I don't know that there's really... Well, and then there's some ebb and flow on that too, right? Things course correct. Things do pull back into line, but sometimes it's got to get really bad and somebody's going to get super rich and some people are going to go out of business and that's just the way it is. I don't like it. I'm not for it. But what are you going to do? Argue with you, Disney? <laughs> you won't win. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, Disney is so busy buying up franchises and ruining um, legacies that, um, you know, they've got their hands full right now. Um, I, this is a legit concern, and I don't know if there's a good answer. Um, the truth is, what's driving this change is is something like nobody in the film industry has any control over. This is simply technology that is allowing people to view these movies at home in a way that was only possible in a theater 10, 20, 50 years ago. Um, as that changes, it, it completely changes the landscape. And yes, uh, it could lead to uh, the, uh, the dystopian film future um, that was the film past. Uh, but I, I honestly don't know a way to rectify it other than, you know, as, as Jay suggested, like people stepping in and trying to correct course. Um, but it's it's nobody in the film industry that's driving these changes. It's simply the passage of time and the improvement of technology. Um, so I, I don't know there, if there's anything right now to be done other than to watch it happen um, and then try and correct course after the, the whole paradigm has shifted and continues to shift with uh, even even digital streaming things like Netflix or uh, you know the DC universe or any of those online prime Amazon Prime there are movies that are being made just to be delivered uh, through through streaming platforms that are just as good and sometimes better than movies that are being produced for the big screen. That's just life. The, it it is just different, and we're all gonna have to take a run. Of the, you know, you could you could organize if communities organize that you can certainly put pressure on decision makers. But you know, I, I just don't see that as a high priority for people right now. Well, no, certainly certainly not right now. No. That's called a union. Right. I was gonna say that word, but in some circles, it's a cuss. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was going to get bleeped out or not, so I left until the end. It's so <laughs> weird. Like, I, I work at a credit union, and I was told, like, be careful about saying that, because people take it for union, and that's a bad word in some places. Yeah. Like, that's weird. 
how the fight between theaters and distributors will affect moviegoers is still unclear, but for the sake of both the industry and for the fans, we hope to see a resolution that everyone's happy with, and hopefully soon, please? Alright, so this week we're going to be playing a much like the Jackbox classic, Fibbage. If you're unfamiliar with the game, the idea is that a trivia question is asked and players submit a fake answer to try and fool their peers, and then everyone has to try and guess the actual answer. Points are received based on how many true answers the players get, as well as how many, uh, how many other players that they fool each round. For today's game, our theme will be specific to gaming trivia, and I'll actually be stepping out of the host seat to play alongside the boys. That means to host us through the game, coming back from the shadows once again, is our producer, Syl. Yay. Back from the shadows. There he is. I just keep uh, I keep putting myself on the show to give myself more spotlight. I'm slowly trying to get rid of Jace. It's easy to do. Just distract me with an attractive young man. I'm right here, buddy. <laughs> Hubba. <laughs> All right. Uh, so here's how our point system is going to work. For round one, every player you fool will earn you one point, and each correct answer you get will be worth two. Uh, in round two, those points are going to be doubled, and then we'll have one final round, uh, final fibbage as they call it in the Jackbox game, uh, where the original points are tripled. Uh, and I'll repeat that as we get into new rounds. So we have three questions for round one, two for round two, and one final fibbage. Uh, also, be, uh, because there are three players, the three of you, we'll have uh, three player submitted answers one correct answer, and one answer that I've put in to try to fool you guys. Let's fib. I am prepared to be wrong in a public forum. Just be <laughs> wrong smartly, and you can still win. That's true. Also, you know, if you're a good liar, you can win. Alright, here's the question. In the 2007 dystopian classic Bioshock, the infamous characters called Little Sisters were not always meant to be portrayed as little girls. What were they originally supposed to be? I repeat, I am prepared to be wrong in a public forum. Anybody have any good jokes? I yeah, do. Look behind your zipper. <laughs> you get it? Good gravy. Not yet. Give me a minute. All right. The answers are... Moles, irradiated angels, a pair of talking cats, clockwork mermaids, and sentient telepathic cephalopods. Please uh, DM me your answer. So we DM you what we think it is? Yes, you DM me what you think the correct answer is. So what might be a relevant question before we uh, reveal the correct answer here is, have you guys actually played uh, Bioshock games? I have bit. not. I didn't. I couldn't get into it. My brother talked me into purchasing it, and it just wasn't my bag, baby. And when something's not my bag, I get kind of like mm, not into it. All right, we have our answers. So T, you voted for the answer irradiated angels. That was my answer. All right. Uh, Leo and Jace, you both voted for the same answer, which was Clockwork Mermaids. That was T's answer. <laughs> T, 
he is on the board with two points for fooling both of you. And the yeah, correct well answer was moles. Weird. Clockwork roadmates would have been better. It would have been better. <laughs> yeah, it turns out they were originally supposed to be moles that collected Adam. I don't know what Adam is. I didn't play the game either. Adam the name? Really good at Adam, this. he's the lead singer from Room 5. Oh, of course. Oh. <laughs> Alright, you guys ready for question two? Yeah, Do yeah. it to it. Alright. <clears throat> in the game Scribblenauts, a fun bug was discovered that was later patched in which you could make a lion eat itself. How could players do this? Why did the farmer think that his tractor was magic? Because Why? one day he was driving down the road and suddenly his tractor turned into a field. <laughs> I read it must have been awkward for the Department of Transportation. It probably was. <laughs> this, this is going to be a good round. All right, we have putting a mouth on the rear end of the lion, glue bacon to the lion's back, make a bigger lion to scare it, placing cooked meat on the lion's tail, putting barbecue sauce on its tail. Go ahead and DM me your answers. Leo, you guessed the answer, placing cooked meat on the lion's tail. That was Jace's answer. I'm on the board, baby! Dang it! Jace and T both guessed glue bacon to the lion's back. That was the correct answer. Baby got back! I suck at this game. Well, what else is new? T is winning. <laughs> T is winning with four points. Jace has three. Don't worry, Leo. Points get doubled, so it's not going to matter anyway. You just gotta get one right. That's all, all right. I got. I just gotta get one right. <laughs> or fool somebody. Jace, your answer was so incredibly close that I almost told you you had the right answer, but I decided it was just barely different enough. I'm just smart like that. So what was Scribble Knots? And and I don't even know what the game is. It was a it was a kind of cartoonish type game. But basically, it was one of the few that actually make, made a good use of the Scribblenauts, um, like the Wii U layout. Because whenever you needed something, you would like write out what you needed, and it would be drawn into existence. So you could like summon different things to place them, and they had an amazing library of all the different things you could summon. Like, yeah, you could just put like ladder, but you could also put elf. And then I think there was a difference between, um, you know, you could summon like a police car, or you could summon something random uh, to solve different quests as you went about the journey of scribble dots which i don't actually remember the plot of yeah i don't remember what the plot either uh, that's really cool it was an interesting idea and they put a lot of wacky stuff into it like you could summon vampires and werewolves you could summon god For that was real? true you could summon yeah. god <laughs> literally you could awesome. summon god and the devil and they would fight each other wow. oh that's amazing it's insane i think you could summon some of like the great gods too you put their name in yeah i think so I had the like one of the early DS versions. Are right, you guys ready for the last question of uh, round one? Let's ready. do it. All right. In 1993, the first video game to be played in space traveled aboard the Soyuz TM-17 rocket with cosmonaut Alexander A. Serebrov. Serebrov. What game did he play in space? Aren't you Russian? 
listen, I just can't read. <laughs> okay. And I figured cringe. it should be in like your DNA or something. You should just know how to say it. <laughs> I should. If I can read properly, that wouldn't be a problem. Man, I'm trying to remember what games were there in 1993. Why is it that you can only ran through a campground? Because it's all past tense. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Leo. <laughs> that was awful. You guys ready for the answer? Sure. Or the answers? I would hope there's more than one. The answers are Wing Commander, Space Invaders, Donkey Kong, Tetris, and Super Mario Bros. I want to point out that Donkey Kong is not what that answer says. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. I understand that's what it is meant to say. <laughs> For that is my flub. That is it my says flub. Donkey donk. <laughs> donkey donk. I am very tired. <laughs> okay, the answers are in. Leo, you guessed Space Invaders. That was, in fact, T's answer. Thank you very much. Naturally. You're welcome. So that's one more point for T. And Jace and T both guessed the same answer, and it was Tetris. And that is the correct answer. GD! Good yes. gravy. God, I'm coming up on you, girl. Actually, she yeah. pulled ahead a little bit because of Leo. Mm -hmm. Leo stopped giving her, her out, point. <laughs> Yeah, it's... Uh, I make good puns. You do. Yeah, she likes my jokes. <laughs> Apparently, it was uh, it was played on a Game Boy space, which is pretty cool. Oh, man. My mom was addicted to Tetris. So was my mom, dude. Like, hours and hours addicted to Tetris. Yeah. she It would be like how she would, rather than read a book when she would go to bed... She would sit with her Game Boy and play for like an hour. It was unreal. I don't have a witty rejoinder. My uh, my mom just played solitaire until unless I made her play <laughs> The Sims with me. That's understandable. All right, guys, we're getting into round two now, which means all points are doubled. Everyone you fool is worth two points, and the correct answer is worth four points. Nice. Well, double zero is zero. Ah, it's okay. You'll get on the board eventually, Leo. Maybe. Your faith in me is inspiring. <laughs> You're welcome, buddy. All right, the first question of round two. A hit pop culture horror of the film industry, and I will say it might be a movie or a TV show, uh, featured a cameo from the Left 4 Dead franchise in the form of a boomer and a witch. In what movie or series were these iconic zombies featured? Did you play Left 4 Dead, Jace? No. Oh, I love that game. Basically, it's a fat zombie that spits, like, vile, uh, bile, whatever, on you, and it attracts other zombies, and the witch uh, screams really loud, and other ones come towards it. It's also terrifying, because it huddles in a corner and cries, and you have to find it based on sound. And she's super hard to kill, and she does crazy damage. Yeah, it's like, incredible. You, you kind of have to have a team prepared for her when they're getting ready to take her out it's 
It's a fun, interesting mechanic. Creepy. Mm. There's a Left 4 Dead 2 as well that um, kind of improved upon the mechanics, left all the cool stuff from the first game. Both really fun games. I enjoyed a lot. Just I don't like zombies. Around. Yeah, I know. Oh, they're really fun <laughs> games, though. And the second one is arguably a lot better. They added cool new stuff. All right, here are the answers. Uh, Walking Dead Season 3, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, iZombie, Cabin in the Woods, and The Walking Dead. Interesting. Some of the answers are very similar. Well, zombies is zombies. Let's see who I've given my points to this round. <laughs> uh, Jace, Leo, and T, all of you guessed for the same answer. You all guessed Cabin in the Woods. Does it scare you to think that I might have answered Cabin in the Woods? Mm. I didn't. It's the correct answer. Oh, yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only it's reason the... I went with that instead of The Walking Dead is because I figured The Walking Dead as a blanket would cover season three specifically. And so, I don't know. I, I went back and forth on that for a minute. Yeah, Walking Dead season three was my answer. I wanted to get specific with it because I thought that might fool someone. But then Leo went, went ahead and said Walking Dead just in general. I was sabotaged. You, well, I mean, more like I was sabotaged, let's be honest. I'm the one really earning the points here. Also, Donkey Donk was mine. I was sabotaged <laughs> yeah, was. there, too. <laughs> it was just me. <laughs> My brain turned off for a few minutes. I'm sorry about that. But it made for good content. Donkey Donk. And that's what we're all about here. First game right. in space. All right, the second question of round two. In every human is a gene and protein that separates your left brain and your right brain and determines that you have two eyes. This gene is named after an iconic video game character. What is the gene called? I know this particular piece of trivia. Well, then, I don't know why I know it, and I can't remember answer. the answer. Oh, that's, that's a shame. Like, I remember this specific piece of video game trivia. Um... What did the fish say when he swam into a wall? Words that we can't say on the show. He said, damn. A dam. It holds it. water. Now you can say that. That's fine. All right. Here's the answers. The Wario gene. The Luigi Mario synapse. Mario isomer. Samus Aran. Aran? I don't know how to pronounce that. I think it's Aran. Whatever. And the Sonic Hedgehog. <laughs> the Sonic Hedgehog. Oh man, these are all equally dumb. A lot of representation for Nintendo in there. Yeah, for real. How many of y'all your mom called your video game console a Nintendo no matter which one oh, you were using? All the time. <laughs> all the time. Well then pause your Nintendo and get up. Mom, it's online. I can't pause. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we got our answers. Everyone guessed for something different this time, which is interesting. Alright, Leo. You guessed the answer that I can't pronounce. Samus Samus Aaron Aaron, I don't know. Uh that was in fact T's answer. Yeah, I figured she, she helped you pronounce it, so I figured. Makes sense. That's two points for T, alright. 
See, you the help. idea that I would know how to pronounce something correctly is like so foreign <laughs> that it's a... <laughs> that's, that's actually that's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, T, you guessed the answer, the Wario gene. And ironically, that is Leo's answer. This is a symbiotic relationship. What? <laughs> I didn't think anybody would guess that. You guys traded points Wario? there. Wow. You guys traded points. And Jace, you guessed the Sonic Hedgehog. And that was the correct answer. Shut the f Oh my up. god, that's really? <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry I said the F red on the video. <laughs> no, I can believe it, it's fine. Yeah, that is actually the correct answer. <laughs> There's oh, a gene my... <laughs> in every human being called the Sonic Hedgehog. Holy crap. That is I pretty promise. awesome. I did not cheat on that, I swear to god. That's pretty awesome. That's hilarious. I didn't want to pick all the Mario stuff. I thought surely they're washing each other out, and the other one seemed made up. <laughs> the Sonic Hedgehog sounds made up too. I mean, <laughs> yes, I, it does. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, guys, we have one more question left. Let's look over the points before we get to it. Uh, tied for first place are Jason T with thirteen points. Good Lucky for them. 13. Good for and them. And Leo, you are trailing behind a bit at six points. However, if you get the right answer and fool someone, you could still win this. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> there is. There, no, there genuinely is a chance. Now, here's the thing More about like this. Uh, one in a million. <laughs> here's the thing about Final Fibbage. In the Jackbox game, every Final Fibbage has two answers. So you guys are going to have to give me two answers for this. Oh, man. All fools at this point are worth three points. Everyone you fool is three points, and the correct answer is worth six. So it's absolutely possible to come back, Leo. Noted. The final fibbage question is, in Halo 4, two well-known comedians, blank and blank, make cameos as dock workers aboard a spaceship. Um, what do you call a fish with no eyes? A fish. A fish, yeah. There's no I. Get it? A fish. Haha. <laughs> and you're just full of dad jokes. Why did the toilet paper not cross the road? Because it got stuck in a crack. <laughs> All right. That one's my favorite. What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. Ground beef. All right, here's our answers. Bill Burr and Jimmy Fallon, Penn and Teller, Conan O'Brien and Andy Richter, Martin Short and Steve Martin, or Kevin Hart and Steve Carell. All right. Leo, I have good news and bad news. The good news is you got the right answer. The bad news is so did they. Everyone guessed Conan mm. O'Brien and Andy Richter, and that is the correct answer. Really? Well, I'll be GD. I thought for sure someone would, would pick Penn and Teller. Like... So, this is interesting. Uh, at the end of the game, Jason T are tied with 19 points. Alright, I'll uh, get out of here so T can close, the, close off the segment. Give him a chair back. Back into the shadows he goes. They're gone. 
Alright, so if you guys enjoyed this game and want to try it for yourselves, Jackbox Games has several party packs released on all consoles and PC with a variety of games. If you enjoyed us playing this, let us know. Maybe we'll do it again sometime. Maybe we'll even wind up playing with some of you. I got tons more dad jokes too. So this was a pretty gaming-centric episode today, guys. I mean, if you if you ignored the bit that we spent talking about movie theaters exclusively, but you know, I, I digress. Uh, we're going to roll with that train and focusing on gaming for today's Tea Time question. So my question for you guys is, what single-player campaign game, so no multiplayer for us antisocials, the social distancing of the digital world, uh, which one has the most replay value to you? What game could you play a hundred times and never be tired of? This is hard. And part of the reason it's hard is because it depends on what I'm in the mood to play a hundred times. Like, my my gut answer off the bat would be the Mass Effect trilogy. Because I love it, and I, I have played it a number of times. I love the choices. I love the choices that matter. Um, I love the characters. But that's a pretty big com commitment of time. And so when you say hundreds of times, it's it's probably not that. Probably it would be something more like um, Northgard, where, where the game is different every time. It's a single-player RTS-type game. And I when I don't know what to do with my time, I will boot up Northgard and just play a quick session. And, and I'm not going to do that with Mass Effect. Just boot it up to play a quick Mass Effect session. I've got to I've got to get myself in the mood and in the mode and be ready for the long haul if I'm going to do a Mass Effect run. Yeah, this is, for me as well, a really tough question. I never could get into Mass Effect. I, I played the first Mass Effect and I found the gameplay really simple and redundant. Like, I had to find cover and then I would shoot and then I had to find cover, and then I would shoot. Like, it was so off-putting. I just couldn't get into the narrative. I, I just, I don't know, never enjoyed it. There's so much Mass Effect love among this community, and I am, I am not a fan. Ah, surprise, surprise, I'm not a fan of something. Um, when it comes to single-player story-driven content games, um, I, that, I, I really don't, I can't replay them. Um, I have a really hard time getting into a game I've already played, um, even if it's narratively driven and it has different choices. Um, Dragon Age Origin is probably um, the single game I've played, I think, three times. And that's the most I think I've ever played uh, a story-driven campaign game. And the idea there, I just, I was curious to see all the different outcomes of different choices. And I didn't play like three full playthroughs. I played it once all the way through. I played it a second time, got to a certain point. And I was like, oh, okay, that happens. And I played it a third time and got to an even shorter point. I was like, oh, okay, that happens. And I I don't think I could do that with with any other any other game. I'm, I'm very much the same as you, Jace, like RTSs and stuff. Like we talked about, I, I play RimWorld a lot because it's not, but it's not a, you know, story-driven campaign game. It's single-player, but it's always different, um, and you're you're 
having to make decisions for like you know uh, more more on a strategy level those yeah. I, I pour hours into i know that i said at the beginning of this that i'm 40 hours into my current dragon age inquisition playthrough uh but honestly for me the game that i keep coming back to is knights of the old republic 2 Ah. I haven't played that in quite some time. I should probably go back and, and play it. Uh, it's it's not a Bioware game. It is a sequel to a Bioware game, but it was right. actually made by Obsidian. Um, and honestly, when I think of Star Wars, I think of that game. Like, I don't even think of any of the movies. I think of KOTOR 2. Um, and I, I don't know. It just it encapsulated with... a lot. That's the one with Kreia, right? Yes, yes it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did like that game. Kotor is pretty groundbreaking. Hey, Syl, let us do a Ode to Bioware episode. <laughs> <laughs> He's he wants to know objections. why. <laughs> if you have reasons why, you should tweet them at us. Send them to Syl. Or send them on the Discord. Send us questions about our favorite Bioware <laughs> games. If I submit further tea times for the podcast by heading over to SoakinGaming.com slash SoakinMedia and finding the submission on the right-hand side of the page. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this week's episode of the Soakin Podcast. There's only two episodes left this season. One of them could be a Bioware episode. For more Soaking Media, visit us at SoakingGaming.com slash SoakingMedia, follow our Twitter at SoakingGaming, and subscribe to our YouTube Soaking Gaming community. And look for future episodes of podcast on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Until next time, I've been T. I shall be Chase! I was and am and shall remain Leo. We'll see you next week. Stay classy, Soaking. Thank you for listening to the Sokin Community Podcast. Craving more? Visit us on Twitter and YouTube at Sokin Gaming, as well as our website, www.sokingaming.com. Until next time, stay classy. Right, Jace? <laughs> <laughs>